Welcome to the Speaking Ambition podcast. Here we explore what leadership sounds like in finance and accounting. I'm your host, Alexandra Bond-Burnett, speaker, coach and founder of the Speakbox Leadership Programme, designed to help you access your leadership voice. Welcome to another episode this week. I know, two in one week. I'm spoiling you all. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to share with you a really exciting conversation I had with Trent McLaren from Practice Ignition. Now, of course, I thought I ought to really release it this week because this week is a Countex week. And both Trent and I will be there. Um, it's the 1st and 2nd of May at Excel. And we're going to be talking about various things. So if you are there, um, give me a shout out. Um, in fact, find me on Twitter at Bond Ambition UK. That's at Bond Ambition UK. Or find me on LinkedIn or any of those channels at all. Um, and say hi. I'm, I'm around for both days. Um, I'd love to meet you and, and have a coffee maybe. So I had a chat with Trent and it was really amazing. In fact, I took away loads from this conversation. There's definitely a couple of things um, that he mentions towards the end that I'm going to start doing and uh, implement in my business. So um, hopefully this will be really valuable for you too. So I start off by asking the crucial question, <laughs> Trent, what is it that you do? Great question. Um, I get a lot of people that are actually, they're like, Trent, what do you actually do? Because we, we see you uh, on social media, you do these talks, you do these things, but what are you, what are you actually doing when you're not doing those things? Um, a lot of people think I just sit on social media all day, uh, which is not, not incorrect, I guess. Like, I do do that as well. Um, but anyway, so I work for Practice Ignition as the head of partnerships and uh, head of sales and when you're in a startup, you could be ahead of a lot of things, really, because there's just so many things I could uh, that I'm also doing at the same time. But effectively, that's my role. And I guess as part of that, I get to be a brand ambassador. I get to be a champion for what we do, what we believe in, and the impact that we actually want to have on the accounting profession. And I love it. <laughs> so, it's, so you're basically saying, you've, and you've just come over to the UK from, uh, from Australia, um, and PI, you just named a startup in a sense. So how did you get there? What's how, what's the story behind that? Yeah, it's like it's a long it's a long story. So I won't give you the full version of it. But essentially, uh, I've been working in the accounting uh, industry from a software perspective for nearly seven years now, uh, having both a background in online payments, working with zero firms. Um, I then actually worked with QuickBooks Online in Sydney for a couple of years before um, making the jump to practice ignition into a, this global role, which has been fantastic. Um, and before that, just retail and stacking shelves and Woolworths and all those things you do for the first time when you need a job and you don't know what your career should be. <laughs> That's quite, um, as you say, it's not almost the usual route. Um, and I mean, how, when you're, it's with your role at the moment, do you find that it's, you're coming across an industry that's changed and you've jumped uh, in. 100%. I mean, I think every industry is impacted by things like, like it wouldn't even matter if it was technology. There's always best practices, new ideas that come into an industry and it always revolves around profitability and efficiency and how to do things more effectively. 
Um, and whether that was, you know, in my prior roles when I was in retail or whether that's today, um, there's fundamental foundations that are very similar, but the way we go about doing things obviously changes and that then can potentially dictate and um, differ what our day-to-day actually looks like, uh, which, again, I love. I think it's been awesome to see that change in journey, but I've been very fortunate that I was working for like an online e-commerce business back in 2012, 2011. Uh, so that for me has been, you know, that's that's been my life, for, you know, since then. Um, but you meet a lot of people where they're not necessarily their case. They don't spend seven or eight hours a day on the phones, on social media, on writing email comms and plans and all those kinds of things. Um, but having that exposure and experience it doesn't necessarily matter what my role has been or not even what the role is because it's more what needs to get done and being in that startup capacity it's not oh that's not my job I can't do that it's like oh actually it doesn't matter what I'm responsible for it matters what we need to deliver so that could be writing landing pages doing emails doing the talks and then picking up the phone to make sure that everyone enjoyed the talks and everything else that happened in between so it's, uh, it's a good time it's basically rolling up your sleeves and getting stuck in Oh, yeah. My, I am, like, so stuck in it. <laughs> you're, the, you're the practice ignition just, just there. <laughs> just all rolled up there. Um, but, I mean, the, obviously we're here on speaking ambition, and so my interest is very much focused in how communication plays a role with, especially with software, especially with finance. Um, how do you, I mean... You've just said you pick up the phone, you're on social media, but what about your role as a leader and your journey as, as a leader, as the head? Um, how has communication played a role in helping you achieve your place now? 100%, great question. Uh, it's interesting, and I think what has changed for me more so, and I think we hear about this a lot, is that idea of remote working. So when I was working in eWay, everything was very phone-based, but our team were all based in one office. So we're all in the same office, nine to five, um, making 40, 50 phone calls a day. So any of our team meetings were all huddled together and we were seeing each other face to face. As I've transitioned into these different roles, uh, I, I've been in a capacity where I might not see anyone in my team for physically for maybe two, three, four weeks at a time. So that communication really changes because we're all using Slack for our internal communications and we're using Zoom and video conferencing to try and maintain what we had when we're not face-to-face, um, which is, you know, pros and cons. There's good things, there's bad things. And I, getting that right is really important. Um, some people uh, you meet and they're like, oh, you know, I just, I really wish they were just physically here with me. Uh, and I think if you can't kind of work out that you actually need to upskill on managing people when they're not face-to-face with you, um, and not even just managing, but being able to have really good open communication that delivers the same outcomes and you've got everyone on the same page and on board, um, then you're actually going to struggle a lot more as you get into the future because everything is now remote-based. I can work from home five days a week or from the beach or from wherever in the world I want to be. Uh, so it's just as important to know how do you have effective communication no matter where in the world you are and when. So what would be your... Ad- overall, what do you think has really worked for not just you but for your team and... and- what really hasn't. <laughs> yeah. The biggest thing that falls away when you're not doing face-to-face is obviously that accountability piece because it's like, oh, they can't see me. So, um, you know, 
I, he, I can just hear what he said and then just ignore it and then we can just talk about it again later. I think it's just being able to keep everyone accountable to the conversations you have. So if you go into a meeting, you sit down, you make an action plan, you make your takeaways at the end of it, uh, but then you actually check in at the end of every, whatever that next meeting point is to say, cool, where are we up to with X, with Y? And if we're still not progressing and we're still not seeing the changes in there, then we need to kind of ask that question, what, what is actually going on? Why are we not doing it? And then actually jumping on a Zoom or whatever that is to say, look, can we just talk this out right now and just tell me what, what's going on? Why, why is this a problem? Why is it not a problem? How are you actually finding it? And then the other side of that is I find me doing it myself, I will then actually be able to uncover potentially what some of those problems are that they might be experiencing. So then I can go, okay, cool, I get it. Now let's tweak it and work through it. So it's being able to try and ask the right questions. Say, look, I want you to be open and honest. I need you to be open and honest so that we can work through this problem. So it's not about me and my ego and just saying, Trent, it's Trent's way of the highway. It, it never is. Um, it's always going to be a collaborative effort. And if you're ever at a point where it's like, I just wish that person would resign or quit, which I hear about all, you know, you hear about all the time, then that is just on you as a leader that's not communicating well to get someone on board. Um, and you've always got two options. You can either go in and get on board with each other and map out a plan together, or if you write it off in your head, that's, again, like I said, that's on you and that's your, um, that's your problem to work through. I think that's a great phrase, actually, get on board. I really like that um, because it is. it does take just the ego and, and I want to say the human, but what I don't want to say is not the humanity. So yeah. it's, it's about making sure that you are having a professional conversation and not attacking, but equally. Um, that's a really great way of dealing with those kind of awkward conversations and especially if you are working remotely um and do you find that kind of video conferencing or anything else like zoom or anything like that helps or hinders uh so i think when it's when you're just face to face with someone uh on a zoom it's fine i think when you're in a group meeting uh you know there's all the same dynamics that happen in normal face-to-face -face group meetings where not everyone's putting their ideas forward potentially or someone's putting all their ideas forward and everyone else is kind of sitting back to listen to whatever it is. So those dynamics still exist between video conferencing and physical face-to-face -face meetings. So um, I think it's just really important at all times to understand that, um, you know, we are dealing with humans at the end of the day. Um, it's not. Uh, and we need to be able to understand how to get the best out of people because everyone is different. Everyone's got different personality profiles and all those kinds of things. Um, not everyone works the way you work. Not, everyone, not everyone's going to do it the way I would do it. And that's not right or wrong. At the end of the day, we're measuring outcomes. Um, we're trying to understand, did we deliver what we needed to deliver? Did we do it to the standard, the quality that we needed to do it? Um, and did we do it by the time we said we were going to do it by? They're all the things I think that are more important than necessarily who's doing the job. So, I mean, you started out, you're saying, you know, it's been quite a few years now that you've been dealing with um, kind of cloud accountancy uh, and accounting products. How do you feel that communication has helped you in your career in that field? So, I, I mean, I've worked with companies where, uh, you know, you're chatting with accountants and, and bookkeepers and, and just professionals in general, uh, where they've said, Trent, you know what, this would just be so much easier if you just work for the product that I like, because <laughs> I really like you. <laughs> I really like you, but I just can't get on board with your product. And I was like, I, I get that. Um, that's not how this works, obviously. <laughs> um, 
it's communication building relationships. Uh, I would, if I was, so if, you know, I spent a bit of time traveling, especially in Australia, a big country. So a lot of planes, a lot of planes, trains, all that sort of stuff. You could spend, you know, two, three, four plane flights a week, just going, you know, to Melbourne, to Sydney, to Brisbane. Uh, and I'd always say that opportunity that if I've got a lunch break or a dinner break, um, can't remember whose book it is, it might be a Simon Sinek book, you know, Never Eat Alone or um, whatever it is. Uh, I would always take that to, a part, to heart. If I've got a dinner to have, I might as well have it with someone that I can do. So I might meet with new um, people that I've never met before during the day, new firms, new accountants, and then at night I'll hang out with the existing partners and just catch up and keep building rapport. Uh, you can always do that over a meal when you're just doing life. Uh, it doesn't even have to be about work stuff. It's like, hey, can we just get a drink, get a coffee, get some, uh, get a steak? Um, I think communication doesn't necessarily just have to be verbal. It's actually just spending the time and doing the time with people that can really help escalate and uh, improve those relationships um, because people can see, uh, you know, a real authentic you when you're not trying to be that professional person that's trying to make an impression on them. That's such a... <sighs> I mean, I love that. The, the obviously authenticity is now becoming one of those words, you know, <laughs> like advisory, but it is true. Authentic, you have to be authentic. You can't have to be you. And that's what's been so brilliant about what you do. You were, before we started this, we were chatting about the fact that, you know, being on social media and, and your personality comes out and it's, it's wonderful because some people feel a little bit shy and that maybe their personality might hinder their chances at work um so do you feel that you've had the freedom just not only to be who you are but that has actually added value to your position 100 percent. i mean there's so many different ways you can look at that uh you know if you're trying to figure it out from a competitive standpoint there's no one that can ever replicate me and my voice and what i do um but then saying that I can't replicate anyone else either. I can I can be the best version of me and put that out there. Um, I can't do that for anyone else's brand or personality in that sense. Um, so I think it's it's really important. It doesn't matter if you're introverted or extroverted. Um, I think social media actually gives you a platform where you can uh, be really selective about what you do want to say. Uh, when you're in social environments where you're not the loud speaker or you're not extroverted then it can be potentially more challenging because you don't know what to say how to approach it you know you, you prefer to just stay in the corner or with the people that you know as opposed to going out to meet new people when you get to social media that's completely different because it's just a wide open field and you're just putting things out there to see what comes back um which is both scary and exciting at the same time because you might be scared about what people say and then you might be scared about what they don't say um and I think a lot of people come back with that pessimistic, like, what if, what if I put it out there and they hate it? And I'm like, yeah, but what if you put it out there and they love it? <laughs> That's a really good one. Yeah, because it's true. Basically, you don't know until you try. You don't, you don't know. And there is the anxiety. And I think that also happens if you're, if you're in a position where you're in a client meeting or delivering presentations or anything like that. Um, I know some pe people I work with that, that they have anxiety issues. And that can just be with kind of getting out from behind the balance sheet and, and getting and actually having these client relationships because they're a bit like, oh, what's going to happen now? Can it go wrong? Will they judge me? And accountants actually can often be the bearers of bad news and yeah. deliver harsh truths yeah. as well. And good news. 
and good news and good news um but actually you know it's interesting seeing that kind of dynamic now that these relations i mean how important do you think client relationships are at the moment from compared to five years ago well i think they've always been important i mean you don't build it like people might walk into your office because they need their tax done or their you know their um, self-assessments completed or whatever it may be um but if they don't like you they're not coming back even if that was 10 years ago or yesterday or today uh, you need to be able to connect and relate and everyone can connect and relate. It's not that hard. You just you ask a couple of questions, you understand who they are, you, what's important to them uh, and everything actually just moves really um, smoothly forward from there. So relationships have always been important um, and they're getting more important because we, we look at relationships as our competitive advantage. Uh, if you go to every accounting website, it's like, oh, you know, we give you peace of mind uh, that we'll do everything that we can, you know, like, we're not just accountants, we're for you. Like everything, everyone's competitive advantage is let's not focus on who we are, let's focus on who you are, uh, which is great. And even if you see five accounting firms that all had the same message, at the end of the day, that client will still pick the one that they have that best connection with hmm. and they'll stay for the same reason. Well, that's, it's long-term relationships, isn't yeah. it? So um, I was just thinking you were saying about um connecting and liking i think equally not connecting can be the right thing um and and make it and it kind of helps whittle down like actually this isn't going to work this isn't going to work for us because we don't you don't fit either with if you're a sole practitioner obviously your personality or your uh, values or the company's values as a whole mm. I mean, it's not even just in accounting, it's all professional services. Like since landing here from Sydney, that was only 15th of Feb, right? So that wasn't too long ago. Um, I've met so many real estate agents. I've seen so many properties. I've potentially met a few landlords as well. Uh, this, we, we got so close to like, yeah, we want to do this, we want to do this. But some of the communications back and forward, either with the real estate or the landlord, I was like, actually, if this is what it's like now, I don't want to do this for 12 months, for 18 months, or whatever it may be. So it's putting in my own shoes. I'm like, if I can't, if, if I can't get on with you in that first instance, so that's that first impression, that, that client experience when you're first um, coming on board with someone uh, can really be make or break for a lot of people. Uh, and, and not necessarily everyone, because we'll work in different ways, but you still need to be super aware of um, how do we deliver the, a wow moment. If you can give those wow moments um, to a client really quickly or within that first uh, meeting or whatever it is, um, that makes everything else a hell of a lot easier. It's as you see, yeah, it's, it just helps bring everyone together. It's, um, <laughs> I do apologize for the estate agents of, uh, <laughs> the, the real estate agents of London and relentless. They're very, let me say that. It reminded me of my e-way days. I walked into some of the offices and I could see, oh, 10, 20 young, all suited up people with headsets, all of their computers. And I was like, this looks like a software sales house. Like it's, yeah, it was, uh, I knew exactly what was going on. It's <laughs> <laughs> brutal. Yeah, I am. Um, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things. And uh, I was actually, um, I was with some lawyers um, recently. And, and of course, it's very similar. And actually, they were talking about the changes that, of course, things like AI and also the pressure to 
participate in not sales but business development um, and <laughs> and um, and it was interesting seeing the reflections of course it's across professional services um, I was wondering if um, well in your opinion so you as you say you've you've had this amazing career you've saying you just completed your MBA which is congratulations because that must have been you know hard work to get that done as um as well as everything else you've been doing yeah it was it was interesting I mean I I, I don't know I'm I'm pro the MBA it, it did a lot for me but um as I kind of alluded to before we started talking um you know I was that guy that came out of high school with uh, pretty much a failed result. Like if the score was out of a hundred, my number was like twenty-seven. Uh, like it wasn't. It wasn't ideal. Um, so I didn't have a lot of options for what I was going to do next. So it was really okay. Cool. We're just going to have to. You make what with what you've got, right? Um, so when I got into, I started at Eway. Actually, at Eway, I decided I was going to do this MBA online full time whilst working full time. Um, and it took about three, three and a half years in the end. But um, by the end of it, I loved it. I was like, this actually sh showed me how much I can actually get done uh, as opposed to what I thought I could get done beforehand. Hi there. I hope you're enjoying the show so far. We're just going to take a quick break because just like Trent was saying, I, I want to talk about the honesty and authenticity that we were saying were essential to be visible and, and have those courageous conversations when you're leading a team. However, a lot of the times we can actually stop ourselves from being authentic and it's because of something called imposter syndrome. So have you ever told yourself, I'm not good enough or I don't deserve this praise or just that everything that comes your way is just luck and that maybe one day you're going to be found out. Well, that means that you have had a dose of imposter syndrome. Imposter syndrome is amazingly common and it affects everyone at one time or another. And it's that, that inner voice that tells us that we don't deserve our successes and, and it often stops us. It's that voice that tells us you won't be good enough, you won't be able to do it and actually can, can really hold you back from achieving your goals. So if you've ever felt that that, um, that little voice has just been niggling away and that actually you wanna get rid of them, well, I've actually discovered a way to eliminate that nagging little voice that actually just is not useful for you at all. Um, and, and I know mine used to overwhelm me so much that I wasn't good enough. And every now and again, it does creep back, but I just have to repeat these exercises. So what I've done is I've put them together in a short course and I'd love to give that to you. So if you head over to www.bondambition.co.uk forward slash imposter, then go and sign up and it's free. It's free for you. Let me know how you get on with the exercises because I think you should be getting out there, getting rid of that voice so that you can feel confident and in control and even better that you calmly and take take that success that is yours and be and feel that you deserve it 
because you should do. You're good at what you do and you should feel good about it. So let's get rid of that useless voice. Anyway, speaking of imposters, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Trent is the real deal and he's now going to tell us how you could get seen at the top of the pile if you're going to throw your CV in for a job with practice ignition or at least how much he believes people should be going that extra mile and be invaluable not only to themselves but to the company to create valuable business relationships and it really does speak about the culture that's at practice ignition well let's get back to Trent because he's also going to tell us how he always makes use of every communication that comes his way and why he never eats alone. Let's get back to Trent McLaren from Practice Ignition. I mean, in your opinion, what really makes a leader? I think at the end of the day, it's, there's, there's a couple of things. Like you're responsible for um, the customers that you serve and you're also responsible for the employees that you serve. It's not employees that serve the business. My job is to make sure that they have everything they need and there's nothing stopping them from being the person that they want to be, um, whether that's with our business or whatever the next business is as well. Uh, and I often sort of say that, I said, look, you know, we're, we're super lucky that we'll probably, knowing that younger generation these days only stick around for two to three years, I'm like, if we're lucky to have you for two or three years, I hope it's the best two or three years you have. Uh, and I hope that whatever you're going to do next, you'd be able to take something from this to do that. Um, and yeah, so I'd openly, candidly have that conversation um, all the time. But it's like, I never want you to leave, just so that you're aware, don't leave. Um, but one day, if you feel like we have to have that conversation, that's okay. Uh, because I, can, I, I work a lot better if I know what's coming and what's going on. So it's in my best interest to have good open relationships and communication uh, with the entire business, even for me, if I talk to um, founders of this business uh, for practice ignition, um, I told them before I even started that I wanted to move overseas, and that was 18 months ago. I said, I'll come on board, but I want to move overseas within a period of time. Uh, and then when that time came, it was like, cool, well, we already talked about this. It wasn't any, a shock, like, oh, you've just started working so well here or whatever. I was like, no, this was always the plan. Uh, so it's important that you always vent, not vent, but you explore what your opportunities are, what your goals are, and just be really upfront and transparent about it. Like, you never know, it might just happen. If you don't ask, you don't get. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. Um, I'm going to ask you, um, what skills do you think are going to be the most important in the next 10 years for accountants? <clears throat> for accountants. For accountants and software, I think. Um, I there's a couple of people, I think communication is always going to be key. Like I said, it doesn't matter if it's the next 10 years or the next 40 years, that communication piece will be really um, important. I still think it's really important that accountants actually start to think, like just become a bit more techie because if they, you're a qualified accountant and you know as much about tech software as I do, then you're very lethal. Like you can, you can really do stuff. <laughs> um, but when you're an accountant that's relying on someone else to be that person for you, you're a little hamstrung. Um, which uh, you don't necessarily want to, but well, you might be okay with that, but it depends where you want to take your business. So the first thing I'd say is, you know, know who you want to be and know where your business wants to be in the next 10 years and then figure out who's going to be those people that's going to help us take this to that next level, whether that's underneath us or above us or wherever. So have a vision, have a plan and start earmarking people. 
Uh, we're in an interesting time of our business at the moment where we're looking at some really rapid growth towards the end of this year um, to the point where we might have another 40 to 80 staff, which could be absolutely crazy. Um, and already in my head, I'm like, oh, you know, I like that person and that person. You know, you kind of start putting your shopping list together. You're like, yeah, let's, um, <laughs> let's start figuring out who would actually be a good fit to work in this business. But more importantly, understand what their ambitions are um, and see if they line up with what we want to achieve as well. So how would someone get, what could, if, if someone is out there right now, a potential candidate, and maybe not necessarily for you, but they're, they're looking to achieve, they have ambition, they're looking, and what, can, what should they be doing to make sure that they are being shopped for? Yeah, yeah, good. That's good. Uh, I think they need to not just, don't just do what the job description is. If the job description says that you need to do these five or 10 things, um, figure out what is it that the business actually needs you to do, not what they've, what they've put on your job description as what they need you to hit and what your outcomes are. Um, you need to try and understand how do you over-deliver, how do you overachieve? And I'm not saying you should work 60, 70, 80 hours a week if you don't want to. Um, that, um, you know, I'm all about balance and I've got a wife, happy, happy wife. Um, uh, it's important that you... Um, uh, you understand what those goals are for the company. Um, in my role, like I've always had a big sales background, uh, but for me to be really successful and for the business really successful, I mean, I had to step up in other areas, whether that was marketing, whether that was public speaking, whether that was um, coding, which I don't, I'm not great at. Like I'm above average at everything is the way I would say it. Um, you know, master and none, jack of all trades type. <laughs> uh, but that means that you can operate a lot smarter. So I think for you and yourself, you want to be that person, then uh, you've got to, same thing. You've got to have those wow moments. You need to be able to make an impression on people uh, and they need to know who you are. If I don't know who you are, I can't earmark you for anything, right? And that's similar to any other employer. If you're not known to them, um, then, you know, you're just another resume that you hopefully wrote the right thing that that person who picked up your resume knew, uh, you know, you knew what they were looking for and then they picked you out, which ridiculous uh it's a lot easier if you just know who the job recruiter is in the first place so hey can i take you out for a coffee i actually would love to learn more about your business here's what i know so far or here's what i've done with other companies or whatever it is have a genuine interest in it and you'll actually be able to go a lot further with it so not not many expectations there in (laughs) (laughs) the expectation it's uh there's a list of all the things you could do no, it's amazing. It's such a good idea because, of course, you know, it, so many people are looking for balance. And um, I think something came up uh, this week about millennials and what they're looking for. And actually, um, when I've, I've been chatting to people this week and they're saying, well, it is more about uh what the company stands for do they have connective values um but also yeah a bit of work-life balance and um really being somewhere where you want to be and that wants you so it is kind of like a marriage you know it's it's a a marriage these days not just turning up and and punching a timesheet yeah Um, i think that part can be tough for some people um and i'm completely agreeing with what you're saying um you know like if you're not happy when you wake up like what are you doing but i think there's also that expectation of some people uh uh, you kind of have to slug it out and do the work to then figure out where you want to take it next so like i couldn't have done what i'm doing today had i not done the you know the the bottle shop days the um, retail i used to work in a fashion retail store as a store manager once upon a time 
trying to manage 15 year olds on how to sell jeans to, you know, like older, you know, like all that kind of stuff is not always super fun. Um, but you've got to do all the crap before you can start actually figuring, because you need to have a base level foundation of all these things. Yeah. So I think whilst it's important that you need to wake up hungry and passionate, I get that it's hard to be passionate about making 45 phone calls a day to your sales target. Like that's not ideal, but if you don't do it for two years, you'll never know how to be really, really good at it when you need to do it at the next kick. That's a really, really good point. And it's part of that is that you, you can do all these bits and pieces, but you still got to work for it. You know, you still got to get out there. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you the, the final question as it were. And, it, and it's one of those ones, which is very much open to interpretation, but the theme of, of the podcast, which is what does leadership sound like? What does leadership sound like? I feel like we've covered like for me and what I believe, I guess we've covered off a lot of that Yeah. Uh, yeah. today already, but um, in, in, even in a couple of words, authenticity, empathy, transparency. I, there's nothing I enjoy more than someone being extremely straight up about it and not sugarcoating anything. Uh, I don't want to hear the, the I don't, I'm sorry, I was going to swear. I shouldn't swear. I don't want to hear your crap, right? Yeah, I don't want to hear, 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 hear the bullshit, right? I'm like, just, just tell me how it is. I don't want a 30-minute conversation if it can be 10 because we're all busy, we've all got things on. Um, just short, sharp to the point, but with empathy, with care. That is absolutely perfect. So I think that's a great, great sound of leadership. Fantastic. Well, Trent, thank you so much. This has been um, an amazing conversation to have and it's so fascinating to hear um, about you, your background, and also about how it works at PI. Um, and I think this is going to be really valuable to, to people out there who are looking to see how they can grow. So thank you so much. No worries. Thanks for having me along. And uh, yeah, I'm always happy to have conversations. This is how, I, uh, if I ever want to meet someone, obviously I, I reach out. But in turn, um, I actually respond to every single LinkedIn message I ever get. Even the spammy ones where it's like, uh, hey, Trent, I want to sell you 10 different things. It's like, no, thanks, man. It's cool. You can take me off your list or whatever because you just never know who they are. Like, there's still a real person somewhere in there, even if it's an automated message. Someone thought about writing it to. Um, and again, I might have just been a name on the list, but uh, I've just had too many crazy good things happen by responding to every message as opposed to not following up on the opportunity. That's fantastic. I get, I get loads of those. I feel bad now. I've, I've ignored some of them. <laughs> the ones that say, dear business or something like that. It's like, mm. <laughs> but actually, I really love that mentality. I think I might challenge myself to do that now is start trying to, I, I can be quite bad at um, well, else, but. They're not all ideal, honestly, but at the same time, when you, when you take the time to meet with so many random there's no point meeting people you know already, right? Every time you take the opportunity to meet someone new, you'll learn something new uh, and you'll take that with you to the next meeting. And the best thing I actually love about it, I had this happen today. I had a coffee with someone two weeks ago that reached out on LinkedIn and at first glance, I could have been like, oh, they're probably going to talk to me about X and Y and my head started to get in the way uh, of what that could be. Like. I was like, you know what? I like coffee, so this, this is fine. Uh, you have the coffee. Uh, they then actually referred me to chat to someone else. So I had a coffee with that person today and now I've referred that person to two other people 
and she's already got those copies lined up. So it's like it becomes this big network effect of just the more people you meet, and again, I'm earmarking as well, right? In the back of my head, I'm like, oh, who do I, who am I shopping for as well? But um, you just, you hear so many stories, you learn so many things, and now when I've got questions about things I know they're really good at, I'm like, oh, actually, I could just ask them because we have somewhat of an open relationship now. I think that that is amazing. That's so, it's so true. And I have to say, a lot of my work has come purely from having conversations with people. And in a way I thought, oh no, maybe I should be trying like marketing strategy more and things like that. And, and whereas I have now started implementing that to support what, um, what I'm about and connect. Um, but ultimately it's those conversations that I've, uh, I've just getting out there and meeting people. And as you say, it leads from one to the next to the next in completely random ways. Uh, I think, I think, yeah. Uh, even in um, that scenario, right, because I gave an example that wasn't necessarily commercial focused, I went the other way with it where I reached out to someone and said, I really want to catch up with you and talk to you because I know that after we talk, you'll be like, you'll want to, we'll, we'll be able to actually have a better relationship because I, we had a somewhat okay relationship, but we weren't working really, really well together. They were two different companies. Had the conversation, it went for 90 minutes. That's how much we got into it. Since then, I've had four different referrals from this person. Those people have all come on as customers on the back of making that first acknowledgement to go, you know what, we could be doing this a lot better and we're not. And being able to spend and invest that 90 minutes where you're like, well, I'm not going to get that 90 minutes back has already paid itself off so quickly just by having that mentality of um, just make every meeting. You will get something out of every meeting, out of every new person um, that you come across, both for business and Maybe for someone else, who knows? You could be the gateway for someone else's next dream job, not in your company. Um, wouldn't you want to be a part of that? <laughs> You're so positive. It's, you've got so much wonderful enthusiasm and energy. It's great. You can do it. There's one of two ways you can do it. You can either be upbeat about it or you can not be. And even if something horrible happens, um, I can still decide how I want to react to that. It's not letting my emotions... And don't get me wrong, I can get emotional like everyone does, but... Um, I can decide what the outcome should be. Yeah. And that's a really good lesson, actually, because, um, and again, a lot of anxiety, uh, it, it stems from fear. Um, and usually that's because something has happened previously. It's, it's the equivalent of knowing you don't stick your finger in a fire because it burnt. Um, and that becomes a neurological issue. Um, but effectively, at the end of the day, I think it was, was it an Eleanor Roosevelt quotes or something? You can, no one can let you feel inferior without your permission. Um, and there is, that's a hard thing to really get to grips with, but it is true. It is true. Yeah. There was something you mentioned earlier. I know, I know we've, we've kind of wrapped already, but I feel like we're going <laughs> in a good spot. We're um, going back in. With, with this anxiety piece that you mentioned before, a lot of people do really overthink things. I had a friend of mine reach out to me on, um, Google Hangouts because we, we chat and we talk, different companies, but you can still interact with each other. And she said to me, she's like, oh, I think I'm doing a really bad job. Like, I'm not confident that I'm really delivering. And I, was, I sort of read that and I was like, what do you mean? She's like, I just, I'm just not, you know, I'm not vibing, you know, like it just doesn't feel like I'm achieving what I should be achieving. I said, has anyone sat you down and physically said to you that you're not doing a good job? And she's like, no, no, that's never happened. I said, bro, you're in your own head. Like no one has ever said that to you. 
that's a feeling. That's not a fact. And I always, that's always my first question to come back to people when they say, oh, I just don't know if this is going to work. My clients won't like that. I'm like, is that fact or feeling? How many clients don't like that? You've got a thousand clients and three of them said they don't like it. That's not a majority. That's like, like you said, that's you getting burnt once or twice and not having the effort or the energy or the, the whatever it is. Um, but that's, that's our own mindset getting in the way and telling us something that's not actually there. Yeah. Which becomes our reality because that's the story we start telling. Like she's starting to tell me that she's not doing a good job. I'm like, who told you you're not doing a good job? You, if, if I told you you were doing a good job, would that change your perception for the rest of the day? Going, oh, I am doing a good job because someone told me. But now she thinks she's doing a bad job because she's telling herself she's doing a bad job. Yes, and it's that internal monologue, isn't it? And um, imposter syndrome, which is something I, I tend to deal with a lot um, in terms of talking about it and, and you know, trying to counteract it with, with people and certainly with businesses. And it's, and it's, it's that little voice that's always telling you <laughs> that you're not good enough and you've done a bad job and that can really overwhelm um, and just take over so much. And it just, it's so useless um an emotion um i mean it's a bit like guilt as well we can often feel guilty oh, i didn't do this enough or i should have done this um i call it the coulda shoulda wouldas and um actually at a certain point you've got to ask yourself really how useful is this emotion being for me now that it is there for a reason so it could be that you did something bad and therefore it is making you feel bad about it so that you don't do it again um so it's a self method of chastising <laughs> um, your conscience, but equally it, it creeps in everywhere. I shouldn't have had that donut. I shouldn't have had, I shouldn't have had anything like this. I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't, I couldn't, wouldn't. And that voice is, can actually drown out the good stuff far too much. And we do hear it a lot. Um, I'm not sure if it's now or it just always has been. And we talk about it now. I, uh, yeah, the, the, how long does this show go for? We could, <laughs> we could just go on and on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I tell you, what, okay. I've got one last question that's just come to me. Um, if you have someone in terms of professional development, what would you recommend? Or is there anything that you do that has really helped you um, personal and professionally? Uh, I think like, a lot of people might want to do personal development. It's like, oh, yeah, cool. I'll, I'll do it if the company pays me to go and do it and all this sort of stuff. I'm like, yeah, cool. That's great if you can do that. Um, but if that's the only reason you're going to do it, then you're kind of doing it for the wrong reason. Like, if you want to upskill, then upskill. Like, do something right now. Jump onto lynda.com, jump onto YouTube, find another podcast. Like, invest the time, pick up a book, do it. Um, but don't wait for it because uh, otherwise it just will, that time will never come. Uh, so if you, you want to upskill, you want to educate, then, uh, then start today. Like, don't, don't, don't tell me you're going to do it tomorrow. Um, do it now. Yeah. Fantastic. And it's resourceful because a lot of people are thinking it's like, oh, I don't, I don't have 10,000 pounds or I can't spend $50,000 on a degree. Uh, there are so many alternative ways to learn things. Like, again, I, I came from a background of, um, having the worst high school score ever and then somehow still managed to get my MBA, travel the world, do all these things, not because someone said, oh, you know, can you go and do it? But in my mind, there was always this notion of like, if I want to do it, I'm just going to do it. If I want to be up here, then I need to work myself up to there and then try to set, well, what do I need to do this year to be able to get to next year? If I want to be in a different spot next year. 
Um, my notion uh, from leaving high school was just, I just need to keep climbing. So I was like, cool, I'm here now, I need to be there, and I need to do whatever I can do to get to that next thing. So even now, I'm still sitting here going, cool, I'm a, you know, currently in a global role here, but one day I'm like, I'm going to be a CEO somewhere, I'm going to be a general manager here, I'm going to be something somewhere, um, and I'm going to find someone that wants to um, pay me a lot of money to do it. It's, it's about strategy. Where can you see yourself? Where are you going to go? And actually having the faith and ability to go and go and get it um, and, and just invest in yourself. And I think the, I'm going to, I'm going to end, end that on the fact that you just said, just go and do it now. Just go do it. Don't think about it. Just, yeah. <laughs> just do it. Perfect. Okay. Now we really are going to say goodbye because thank you so much again, Trent. No worries. Thank you so much. Wow, that was quite an interview. Thanks to Trent for having those conversations. As I said at the beginning of the episode, I've really got a lot out of it. In fact, I definitely think I'm going to be implementing some of those steps. I'm going to be having more opportunities maybe I mean I do I do quite a bit of the time but if I know I'm going to be somewhere I'll contact someone and say hey I'm nearby do you want to meet up or would you like a coffee um, or just have a chat and uh, and definitely I mean I'm at a Countex this week and I'm definitely going to uh, I've started booking more conversations and, and making the most of my time and that resonates especially with the meal because it's for instance I'm going to be there I'm going to be there for breakfast I'm going to be there for coffee breaks I'm going to be there you know so I'm going to make the most of those opportunities the other really big one for me is contacting everyone because um I admit I don't um I get a lot of spam on LinkedIn and people that contact me and they clearly haven't looked at my profile they haven't really thought about who I am or what I need they dive straight in with a bit of a, a marriage proposal <laughs> having just asked for my number you know they you get that classic message hi Alexandra or hi Alex um <clears throat> have you do you need more clients in your business and you're kind of like oh mate just no just uh you know at least ask me <laughs> ask me how I'm doing first <laughs> you know or, or actually just you initiate a bit of a conversation, have a relationship before you make that jump. It's kind of not cool. However, Trent did make me think about that and it got me wondering what would happen if I gave them some feedback. So I'm going to try that and see what happens. Anyway, um, taking the opportunities, do you get onto my website and subscribe. So I'm having some events coming up and also I give tips and tricks and advice out on my newsletter. So head over to my website www.bondambition.co.uk and subscribe to the newsletter um, and keep chatting with me. So let me know what you liked, what you didn't like and hopefully we'll speak soon. Take care. Have a great week.